Chapter Two of Tad Coon's Great Adventure. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tad Coon's Great Adventure by John Breck. New Households in the Woods and Fields my but nibble was proud of his little bunnies he wanted to take them back to the pond right away quick and show them to dr muskrat but silk ears his mate was quite stubborn about going no she said the old mother rabbit who told me how to raise them said that pond wasn't a good place at all she was there last year every one of her bunnies disappeared the minute they left the nest hooter the owl got one and glider the black snake got another and silvertip the fox got the third and the last one just disappeared she thinks slyfoot the mink found him while she was digging a new hole she bent to leave him the old hole to live in he was a very scary little bunny nibble pricked up his ears she went to dig a new hole did she he asked why was that why because she was going to raise a new family of course and she couldn't have him tracking out and in how silly i was said nibble now i see why the stars set in my fortune that dr muskrat told me by dawn and by dusk you shall travel alone i was plenty old enough to begin without any telling and all troubles are yours excepting your own i was so busy getting rid of other people's troubles that my own went with them now the hooters have gone and silvertip and glider and even slyfoot doesn't live there nibble never thought that maybe wise old dr muskrat had something to do with that fortune of course his mate didn't understand what he was talking about she didn't know any of the things he'd done but she did know that he just insisted on talking to that wise old mother rabbit of course you've guessed it before this that wise old rabbit was nibble's own mammy bunny he was down by the pond when she came back to see how he was getting along she'd never think of going to ask dr muskrat about him he told her all the stories he hadn't told silk ears and she shook her head when he told her that tommy peel was his special friend she didn't like boys a bit i don't think she really believed when he told her about tommy's dog watch and trailer the hound but then mothers don't know all about everything they know what's best for little bunnies 
but you can't expect them to know more than a great big grown-up rabbit like Nibble. But Nibble didn't care whether she believed him or not. I've found you again, he said, and he waggled his long ears because he was so excited about it. I've found you. Next thing you know, we'll have found Tad Coon. And maybe Mammy Rabbit wasn't shocked at that. She didn't think Tad Coon was a safe friend for any rabbit, even a big one. But that didn't scare Silk Ears. It just made her prouder than ever of Nipple. So off they set for Tommy Peel's woods and fields. Maybe you think they didn't have an exciting time getting their bunnies all the way over from their nest in the deep woods. It wasn't because the little ones couldn't run fast enough. It was mostly because they ran too fast. They scuttled all over and they wouldn't pay the least attention to Nibble when he thumped his big furry feet at them. Of course, they did keep watch of their mother's white tail tip, even tiny wee ones, as soon as their eyes are open at all, know that's what it's for. But they didn't see any use in a father at all. Just once one did. That was when the hawk swooped down. Silk ears dodged into the pickery things where no hawk could possibly reach her. Three bunnies tagged after her. Nibble just stepped under an elder bush where the hawk couldn't pounce from above and one bunny squirmed right under him. Then it poked out its curious little nose from behind his elbow and blinked at the big bird. She really didn't mean them any harm. She was really hunting field mice, though a hawk will pick up a wee rabbit now and again. But when she saw it was Nibble, she just laughed. Ka ka! When did you take to hatching? And flapped right on. She had a nest of her own not far from Nibble's hole. Like any sensible bird, she did her hunting away from home to keep out of neighborhood quarrels. If she took one of Nibble's babies, she had a pretty good idea that someone would come after one of her own babies, who as yet had only pin feathers. But just as soon as the ungrateful little bunny saw his mother, he ran to her. Where's the other one? asked Silk Ears. Wasn't she with you? I thought you had her, said Nibble. And then the hunt for that fifth baby bunny began. They looked and looked until they were almost discouraged. Then there she was. Where do you suppose? In a deep footprint some horse had made. She thought she was pretty smart to have hidden so well that even her mother couldn't find her. You bad little thing, stamped Nibble. 
that's a regular hop-toad trick. We'll call you hop-toad if you ever do it again. But do you think he'd let Silk Ears shake her? Certainly not. And the baby didn't know what a hop-toad was yet, so she didn't care. Anyway, the woods folk are very careless about naming their children. They just nickname them from some way they act or look and then call them that. And these were too little even to have nicknames yet. The most exciting time was when they came to the brook that runs into Dr. Muskrat's pond. The bunnies couldn't jump, so Dibble had to pick them up by their furry collars, like he did the lady mouse, and carry them over one by one, kicking and squirming. And Silkius jumped over beside him each time, as though she could do something if they did tumble in. Oh, she was glad to get them safe in Nibble's home, I can tell you. But if Nibble Rabbit had trouble with his naughty little bunnies, you just ought to have seen Stripes Skunk. His kittens had a great idea of hunting things. When they hadn't anything else to chase, they chased each other or their own tails. They chased Nibble's bunnies, and Nibble had to give one of them a kick that sent him tumbling. They chased Bob White's stubby-tailed chicks until Bob gave them a smart pecking. They tried to chase the baby meadowlarks, but the little birds who nest on the ground are up and flying before most of the young furry things are out of their holes to bother them. That's exactly why Mother Nature lets them grow up so much faster. They were very sweet-tempered kittens anyway. They didn't mean any harm, and they soon learned what they mustn't do, and saved most of their chasing for the field mice. Only they never learned not to tease Dr. Muskrat. He would no more get to sleep in the sun on his nice flat stone than somebody's bad baby would pounce on him. Both Nibble and Stripes were afraid maybe he'd get cross about it. But that was before they caught him playing with those teasing little ones. He'd dive under the water and swim up underneath the stone. Then he'd pop up and snap at their paws when they tried to grab him. And they weren't the only ones who thought it was fun. But if Dr. Muskrat liked them, you just ought to have heard Tommy Peel the first time he saw them. He came out with his father to see if it was time to go after those potato bugs. And, of course, neither of them could find a single one. That's funny, said Tommy's father. Those potato bugs have been here. You can see holes where they've eaten the leaves. I wonder who cleaned them all up. Stripes Skunk sat up and saw what they were looking at. It was the birds, he explained, only, of course, Tommy didn't understand him. 
Pretty soon, Tommy saw something else. This plant looks wilty, he said. It looks as though a mouse had been gnawing it. It was a mouse, smiled Nibble Rabbit, because he knew Stripes wouldn't tell that he tried to stop them. He came hopping up close to Tommy, and Tommy didn't know what was said either, but his father must have understood a little. It's queer about that stem, he remarked. I never knew mice to do anything like that before, but mice must be what your skunk friend is hunting here. That rabbit certainly isn't afraid of him. Those rabbits, Tommy fairly squealed, for silk ears and all the babies were peeking at him with their long ears perked up among the potato stems. And those skunks! For Stripes Skunk's three kittens were trying to squint up at him from under the leaves, and the lower they put down their heads, the higher they arched up their tails. But they didn't know that. They thought they were beautifully hidden. And there were their three black plumes with white tips squirming at the ends of them. No wonder Tommy laughed. No wonder, he said. Say, Dad, let's catch one. End of chapter two.